0: Um, a young man went home after church, went to Grandpa's house for uh, Sunday supper. Uh, in the South, Sunday supper is on Sunday. Um, <laughs> Grandpa was not feeling good that day, so he didn't go to church. So he asked his grandson, what was the sermon about today? And the uh, the young man said, it was about sin. To which the grandfather said, was he fur it or against it?" <laughs> well, today you saw the simple title of, of The sermon is sin is something I know quite a bit about. Sin is a pesky word. Um, It's sort of left out of our vocabularies except at church. Have you noticed? Uh, We don't talk about it much. I mean, I don't call my adult children very often and say, you know, Margaret, Oliver, you sinned today. Um, We just don't talk about it much at all. Imagine if you were at work and you've got a report in late or uh, you messed up a deal and the owner would come to you and say, you sinned against the company today. Uh, it's just not in our vocabulary, usually outside of, um, of church. Could you imagine being pulled over for speeding and the policeman said, uh, did you know you were sinning by speeding? Or you might get a letter from the IRS and they'd have a lot of words in there you might not understand, but they were, probably would not have that word in there. I mean, sin, the word, makes us, makes me think about God. Um, sin makes me think of judgment. Sin would mean that there's some giant moral uh, law or absolute out there, and I'm accountable. and if I've broken that law or those rules, then I'm in big trouble. The, that's what sin reminds me of. Um, if there's such a thing as a sin, it means that I might be punished for it, right? Um, here's the definition of sin, just to get us started today, from the dictionary. And it goes like this. Sin is a transgression, and here it is, of divine law. In the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number 14, uh, anybody want to quote that for me? Uh, what is sin? sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of god which means that if you a sin, any want of conformity means you've not done what you were supposed to do you just left it undone or transgression of that means you knew what it was and then you decided to do the opposite so that's what sin is according to one of our standards so this is the tricky part and i want you to stay with me through this sermon because i think it'll have a lot to say to you but sin means that you and i did it on purpose we don't like that do we sin means it was willful that i planned to sin i did it it means that i knew it was wrong when i did it and that And that doesn't make me feel good about myself. I kinda wanna have a compartment in my mind. Yes, I know I sin, but there's very few things that fall into that category. I am a sinner, you know, as a believer, we'll say, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I can't remember the last one. Um, Do you remember the last time you used the word sin in your home? So we don't use the word. In fact, a lot of times we, we substitute with another word. <laughs> I don't sin. I make mistakes. Um, a mistake, and you've got to love this in the, from the dictionary, is an error in action, calculation, opinion, or judgment, and check this out, caused by poor reasoning. Well, I just wasn't thinking straight, which means I was just careless. Um, well, I didn't see that. I didn't understand that, so I had insufficient knowledge. Um, See, it's a lot better word with, so if you catch me, I can just simply say, oh, my fault, my mistake, right? In an argument with your spouse, you might say something like, okay, okay, so I made a mistake. Is that the end of the world? Try that one. It doesn't work. (laughs) Or, okay, I made a mistake. Nobody's perfect. I'm simply made a mistake. And the assumption is that you can't be too mad at me because it was simply a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. I wasn't paying close enough attention. I took my eye off the ball for a minute. Okay, I didn't know everything I needed to know. Can you just give me a break? Nobody's perfect. I made a mistake. We like that word better, mistake. But there's a big difference between a mistake and a sin. If we leave out the living God part, and if it was just among humans, Mistake would fly. It would be okay. We just simply say, you know, humans make mistakes. To err is human and to forgive is divine. Well, we, we, we got to leave divine out, right? So it's just mistakes. Otherwise, if it's sin, I might need to be punished for something that I am accountable to someone else. Um, now, I'm not saying that you don't make mistakes. We all forget sometimes, more, me more now than I used to, but where I put my keys, or sometimes I transpose letters or numbers, or, um, you know, everybody makes mistake. On a math test you might make mistake and you'll get a lower grade. But oftentimes with the word mistake, it doesn't come with a whole lot of punishment, and sometimes not very much accountability. If I go to your house and you fix me dinner and you give me a glass glass, And I drop it and break it, I can say, I'm sorry, I can offer to pay for it, but I probably won't have to pay triple. (laughs) I just pay for one glass. Um, You see, if everything I do wrong can kind of be dumbed down to where it's just a mistake, then. Is this one on? Oh, okay. So, you're getting the idea here. There's a big difference between mistake and sin sin is just on a whole different level you see if everything i can i do wrong can be dumbed down to mistake that means i'm a mistaker which means i do not sin and if i do not sin and simply make mistakes i do not need a savior i don't need to rehave any repentance i can just please say it made a simple mistake and if i'm a mistaker What I need to do, I need to do, is to say I'm sorry. I need to um, break some nasty little habits. I need to be more consistent. I need to try harder. But if you're a sinner, there's something something fundamentally in us that's broken. If I'm a sinner, then simply trying harder will not make it. Trying harder is not going to help me. If I'm a sinner, I will need a Savior. I don't want to have sin. That makes me a sinner. That means I need a Savior. I'd rather just make mistakes, which makes me a mistaker. The problem is, if you are honest with yourself, we know deep down that when we sin as opposed to make a mistake, it was intentional. Intentional. If you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, when Gimli fell off the horse and he yells, it was intentional. It actually wasn't intentional, but when we sin, it is intentional. You did it on purpose, you knew when you were doing it, it was wrong it was not unintentional, it was not bad calculation, it was not poor reasoning, it wasn't being careless, it wasn't having insufficient knowledge, it wasn't forgetting where you put your keys, you knew exactly what you were doing, it wasn't a mistake, and what's deeper than that, when you sin, guilt comes with it, when you make mistake, I don't feel any guilt, you see, sin is on a whole different level, now Jesus comes along in his ministry, he taught very, two very opposing truths that go against our culture every day. He said this, I am going to push the bar up higher than you think it will ever be. He says, oh, no, no, no. It's worse than you thought. You thought you were kind of bad. Jesus says, no, you're really bad. You thought you were good, but you're not good. You thought you were righteous, but you're not a righteous person. It was a message that was extraordinarily condemning, that nobody is good enough to be in God's good favor. Isn't that, hey, I don't know why I came to church today if I have to hear this. But it is good news because then the other opposing things he says is, oh, and by the way, God loves you. Yes, God loves you. He loves you just the way you are. God loves you. People are thinking, wait a minute. Which is it? Either I'm terrible and God loves me, and Jesus says, it's both. You're terrible and God loves you. You're worse than you thought you were. And God's love is greater than you think it is. Or people in that day, they wanted to be known as mistakers, just like today in this day. But Jesus wanted them to feel bad about their sin so they would look to a Savior. And the people that knew in their gut they were sinners, when they heard Jesus say those sort of things, they responded with, yes, I recognize I am a sinner and you're giving me good news. Because now there is hope. I'm not going to try to be better. I'm not going to promise harder. I'm not going to turn over a leaf. I'm not going to think happier thoughts. I'm not going to commit more. I'm not going to, I can't discipline myself enough not to be a sinner. I don't just make mistakes. There's hope for me. And it's not going to be through my efforts. I cannot be better through my efforts. I need a Savior. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He's basically talking about the whole Old Testament. In any law you want to pick from the Old Testament, he's saying, I am not going to make them easier. I did not come to do that. He says, I, came, I didn't come to start something new where the laws are abolished. Now, he said, I have come to fulfill every law. Verse 19, he says, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments, he's talking about the whole Old Testament, and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, let's make this clear. He says, I'm not lowing the standard. I am raising the standard. Verse 21 in, in chapter 5, he says, you've heard it said to the people long ago when he refers to the Old Testament, do not murder. You've heard that before, right? And they're all thinking, yes, I remember that, thou shalt not murder. Ten Commandments, that's one of the basics. We, we got that. I haven't murdered anybody, have you? And no. Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judge, judgment. Okay, wait a minute. Time out. You're starting to equate someone that has a feeling about somebody, maybe a negative feeling like anger, And you're equating that to the same judgment that would happen for someone who murdered someone else? What is that triggering you? Oh, yeah. Jesus says, you'll be be judged for your anger. But I didn't do anything. I just felt something. I just thought about something. I just imagined something. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, the bar is higher higher than you thought. And then verse 27, he says, he really takes it another step. He says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. They said, yeah, that's in there, the Ten Commandments. We've got it. I haven't committed adultery. I'm a good person. But in verse 28, he says, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart the hearers might say something like this okay that's it we're leaving you've just called every man who's looked at a woman lustfully an adulterer now come on jesus i get that thou shalt not commit adultery but are you kidding do you realize jesus that you have put under judgment every man that's ever lived can you can we take you seriously i mean who can be that good Who can be that righteous? Who can live their whole life and never look at a woman lustfully? I mean, if that's the standard, then nobody's going to heaven. You're going to be in heaven by yourself. Down further in verse 43, he says, I'm not finished. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. To the response, some people might say, well, Jesus, I don't pray for my neighbors. In fact, I don't pray much at all. Um, I don't pray for my enemies or, or people who persecute me, if that's the standard. So you're telling me I'm a murderer if I've been angry. I'm an adulterer if I have lustful thoughts. And basically, because I don't love my enemies, there's no way to be righteous. Good grief. There's nobody righteous but God. And Jesus smiles and said, I know that's the point that's the point some of you came to the sermon thinking that you were just mistakers and maybe needed to get better you may say oh wait wait say can you i think you went to the wrong church today everybody in this church are all christians and we've all got it together we know what sin is Well, i've been a pastor over 45 years and i know there's this subtle fog that comes into churches in one church i knew that their kind of motto for the young people was you need to have a good testimony make sure you have a good testimony And they're basically telling their children to be good which is right you know you want your children to have a good testimony but how it became interpreted was this you need to look good in front of other people and and basically don't tell me if you've messed up which caused the young people in that church when they messed up They could not go to their youth pastor and say, I messed up because then I broke the rule of the church. I didn't have a good testimony. So, what would happen is the young people would eventually just slide on out and not be involved with the church anymore because, in their mind, they did not fulfill the one thing they kept, the church kept saying, is I needed to keep a good testimony. So, it left out anything about repentance. They didn't talk about repentance. They just talked about being good. Do you see the difference there? What should be happening in a church, there ought to be freedom within the body of Christ to be able to say, I didn't make a mistake. I sinned, and I need to confess. I need to repent. In fact, if I understand the Bible right, repentance ought to be a regular part of our life, right? Because how often do we sin? pretty often if we sin pretty often we ought to repent pretty often which means we shouldn't be that shocked if somebody as good as hudson sins we can't go oh no man he's been to seminary he's a chaplain if he sins i have no hope no it ought to be he sins and he repents and i sin and i repent and guess what god is good He's a great Savior. He's a forgiver of our sins. So Jesus had two messages. You're a sinner and you're in trouble. God loves sinners, and so He sent a Savior on their behalf. You're hopelessly lost. God loves you, and He sent Jesus to find you. Until you embrace the fact that you're a sinner, you're not going to embrace the fact that you need a Savior. That applies to an unbeliever and to a believer. Along with, you know, as long as you think you're a mistake, or you're just going to keep trying harder. And sadly, so many believers feel like they need to just try harder or fake it and make people think they're doing really well. I am... Um, I have loved uh, being part of small groups and, and leading small groups and training people to lead small groups and guess what small groups can be great but they they're not good at first because everybody's feeling everybody out am i going to really be received i was in a small group one time and my next door neighbor uh one of my favorite guys from louisiana I had the privilege of leading to christ but he um in the small group we weren't there ten minutes And He's saying how much he messed up He became really honest and all of a sudden you could almost hear it everybody in the small group went He wasn't ostracized he was even more accepted and everybody else kind of felt like okay this small group we can actually tell the truth I went to a small group one time and We started and somebody said what's what's uh, a good and bad thing happened today? and I, I said well, the bad was, Lynn and I had an argument on the way here. And it, we only lived five minutes away. <laughs> well, uh, true story. And all of a sudden, people went, and I wasn't leading a small group. I was thankful because my friend from Louisiana was leading a small group. And that didn't shock him. He said, who else had an argument with their wife this week? You know, and everybody said, raise their hand. And, and all of a sudden, we could be real. And we could talk about things that really apply to us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you would expect the next verse to say, And boy, is God man, and he's going to make you pay, and he's going to come after you, and there are some lightning bolts in your future. Instead, the verse goes on, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified, what's the next word? Freely. but don't I owe you since I sinned? Don't I owe? um, And God says, yes, that's been paid. You do owe me, but that's been paid. But what can I do to make it up to you? What can I do? Do I have to be the perfect Christian? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do this to, to receive your acceptance? And God says, you don't have to do anything. The good news is you owed me so much that someone else had to pay the price. And Jesus did that. And now you're a part of the family. While we were mistakers, we tried to figure it out. We tried to think that if we could just balance the scales and do a little more good than bad. I hear that all the time. That I am more good than I am bad, so I'm acceptable. And the Bible says, no, if you've done one thing wrong... You're a sinner, and you deserve eternal punishment. That's the truth. When I am a sinner, I don't need a motivational speaker, and I don't need a cheerleader. I need a Savior that knows me and loves me and forgives me. I need a church that knows me and loves me and forgives me, and encourages me, and teaches me, and does not throw me away. And I need the strength from God to be honest. You see, when you're a mistaker, you place all your weight, all your trust in what you can do. But when you're a sinner, you have to take all of that, repent of it, and say, "I'm all that I have, I'm going to have to trust Jesus. there's a fictional story about a tightrope walker that walked across niagara falls and he got up and he had one of those long poles you know and he walked across and walked back by that time there's a big crowd there and he threw the pole he broke it in half and threw it down into the water and it fell among the rocks and busted up like his body would if he were to fall in and he he saw a wheelbarrow and got a wheelbarrow and put it up on the tightrope and says, how many of you think I can go across Niagara Falls with this wheelbarrow and come back? And everybody said, no, you can't do it. You're going to die. So he puts it up on the tightrope and he goes across and comes back. By this time, the crowd's bigger and they're going and he sees a, a big, Sack of potatoes, and he puts a sack of potatoes in the wheelbarrow, and the wheelbarrow up on the tightrope, and he says, "How many of you think you I can take this sack of potatoes in the wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls and come back?" And they said, "No, you can't do it. You're going to die." He does it, comes back, and he takes the sack of potatoes out of the wheelbarrow, sets the wheelbarrow down, and he throws the sack of potatoes in the waters, and it busts up just like his body would if he were to fall. And he says, "How many of you think?" that I can put a person in the wheelbarrow, put the wheelbarrow up on the tightrope, and go across and come back. And everybody says, you can do it, you can do it, go for it. They wanted to see the show. And then the guy says, okay, one of you get in the wheelbarrow. How much do you believe that he could really do it? The reality is, when you're in the wheelbarrow, you're not trying to balance. You have to depend on him to do it. You have no ability to go across and come back. You're just in the wheelbarrow. You have to trust somebody else to do that for you. And basically, faith is trusting in God to do it all for you. Has there ever been a time in your life when you say, I give up on trying to be good enough. And I'm going to trust alone in Jesus and what he's done for me. And I'm going to ask him to be my savior and make me one of his children. Have you done that? Have you said, I believe Jesus, what you did for me on the cross, and I trust you alone for my salvation? I'm transferring all my trust from what I can do to what Christ has done on my behalf. If you have not done that, I would like to lead you in a prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I recognize that no, I'm not just a mistaker, I'm a sinner. Today, you've made it clear to me that I've sinned against you, and there is a debt to be paid, and I can't pay it. I believe right now and put my faith in Jesus, who paid the price for the debt I owe. And today, intentionally, I receive that gift you give me freely I'm transferring my trust from my ability to the complete, finished work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, I want you to find somebody today before two o'clock to talk to and tell them what you've done. And ask, pick somebody that you know loves Jesus and they'll be able to help you. There's a lot of people in this church that can do that. And believer. You say hey i've already trusted christ i'm glad that you shared the gospel today well the gospel is for you too the truth is you're still a sinner i love the theological truth that you know a lot of times people say well, I've, i mentioned before that people say i i um i'm saved from my sin and guess what that's not necessarily true i'm saved from the penalty of my sin but i keep sinning don't you I still sin I'm not I'm not completely delivered from my sin yet I will be one day but not yet but my salvation is I was delivered from the the wrath of God that's what I'm saved from is the wrath of God and since you've been saved from the wrath of God if you're a believer rejoice There's forgiveness available for you. If you have been stewing about your sin and something's eating you up, it's better to go ahead and repent now than keep going through that process. Let me pray for you. Father, would you work in us who have already trusted you and would you help us just be honest with you and repent of our ongoing sin, and help us to name it clearly, and acknowledge it, and let you know that we did it on purpose, and Father, help us to truly, not just be sorrowful, but help us to truly repent, and try to put things in our life so that we can go the opposite direction, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.